Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 65. I'm Rocco, and along with me this week, co-hosting is Ryan, Zeb, and Michael, a full house. And this is Destination Linux. So today, we are super excited to have another awesome interview with Artyom Zorin. How you doing, Artyom? Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm great. All right, so you are the co-creator, I guess, with your brother, I believe? Yeah, there. that's correct. You're a Linux enthusiast. You love Linux. You're a technology entrepreneur. And you guys first released Zorin in 2009? Yeah, that's correct. So, uh, yeah, nine years ago nearly. Time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. <laughs> I actually installed Zorin on my laptop to check it out beforehand. So we appreciate you being here, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, in an it's false interview, you mentioned that you, you started using Linux in about 2008 with Ubuntu 1710, I think. Um, what, how did you first learn about Linux and what does that what made you decide to check it out? Yeah. So back then, uh, just my brother and I, we, we were, I was 12 and he was 14 and we were really enthusiastic about customizing our computers and, and trying new software out. So um, we were just installing a bunch of different customization apps, like adding a Mac dock into the bottom of our, of our Windows laptop. And then we came across Linux, uh, actually funny enough, because we saw the compass effects and we thought that they was pretty cool. So, <laughs> so in essence, that desktop cube is what got us to, to switch over to That's Linux awesome. in the first place. I've never heard that before, that being the, that being the way that got you through. That's nice. Because I started, I remember playing with those desktop effects too and thought, I'm, I'm a hacker. I can make these little, I can make these little boxes 3D and these windows move. I'm really something. I've yeah, convinced really people to try it just for that. <laughs> the cube is the great, so, is one of the best things to display, but not use. Yeah. Yeah. So when we tried it out, uh, we just saw how much better it was uh, than Windows, not only in customization and 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 you know eye candy, but also just how much faster our computer ran. Uh, you know how much more powerful it is and, and the added benefit of, you know, uh, being safe from windows viruses. That's what really made us enthusiastic about Linux and, and, uh, really wanted to spend a lot of time developing and, and, and doing new things there. Nice. Um, so how long into the journey before you decided to make your own distro and what was, what was your rationale behind that? Yeah, so it was actually pretty quick. Uh, we tried it out in the, the summer of 2008. So it was probably around like June or July. And then it was actually in September when we decided to make Zorin OS because uh, we just started off in, in what you'd call an American middle school. And uh, here in Ireland, there's a science and technology fair where students could uh, create new projects and, and, and exhibit them um, in this really cool space. And we wanted to do something uh, for that. And because we were really passionate about Linux, we, we decided that uh, let's, not make, let's, let's make a project that accelerates and hopefully uh, increases the impact of, of Linux all over the world. Because uh, when we first tried out Linux and we were really enthusiastic about it, uh, first thing that we did was we showed it to our dad. And uh, he's, he was a regular computer user, so, so not like a programmer or a geek. Uh, and... Pretty soon we saw that one of the main challenges of Linux is just the user friendliness and, or rather lack thereof. So uh, he really inspired us to give Zornos its direction as it has right now, which is to make it a really user friendly and well-designed uh, desktop experience on top of Linux. So first it started off as a, as a science fair project, uh, then it grew into a hobby and, and Ultimately, now it's actually also a business of ours. It's fantastic. So during this same interview, you know, when I when I heard this, I was like, maybe I'm reading this wrong. It says that you and your brother were 12 and 14 when when you guys were doing this. So while I'm playing with He-Man figures at that age, you're over here making your own distro. <laughs> <laughs> what, what got you involved in technology at such an early age? You said your dad wasn't into computers, but he was a geek. But what what gave you that passion for it? 
I mean, we've, we've always been passionate about science and technology. Like when we were small kids, when we were watching TV, we'd usually switch either between Cartoon Network and, and the Discovery Channel. Uh, and of course, you know, our, our passion for technology really grew and, and we were enthusiasts. Uh, what was kind of funny, though, was we decided to make the operating system ZornOS, uh, but we had absolutely zero experience in programming or software development. So uh, we decided to, you know, learn along the way while we were developing the system. So um, it's really the enthusiasm that we had for Linux really drove that um, the, the, the passion to, to build ZornOS. So nice. where did you start uh, if you had like no background in it? Where did you start to learn to develop this? Yeah, so uh, we just read loads and loads of different articles about different things about Linux, like something as simple as customizing the desktop, but also uh, hacking around some bash scripts and then ultimately Python programming, uh, mostly from the internet, a couple books as well that we read. Uh, we just the way that we built it is that we set challenges for ourselves that were probably a little bit beyond reach of the normal uh, person at, at our skill level and then just work and kind of uh, break things along the way and, and try different programming concepts and different ways of developing software until we met our goal of uh, some of the different apps and features in ZornOS. And, um, you know, nine months after we started building ZornOS, we had version 1.0 release. That's incredible. That is Absolutely amazing. Incredible. So when you think back to using Ubuntu 7.10, you know, obviously things have changed. The look has changed <laughs> a, a little bit since yeah. then. The ease of use. <laughs> what do you feel is the most significant, significant difference besides the look between now and then? Yeah, lots, lots of things have changed in the Linux landscape. But what really makes me happy about what kinds of changes happen is now there's a really big focus on the design of the user experience and, mm -hmm. and putting uh, you know, beginners first in, when developing and designing software. For example, if you take a look at the file browser in a GNOME desktop back in uh, those days, 10 years ago, uh, it looks a lot different than what it looks like right now. It's a lot more streamlined now, um, a lot less buttons up front um, and just generally a really great focus on the user experience of, of new users and, and just getting the technology out of the way so that you can do new and, and, and cool things with the desktop. Absolutely. So, you know, I was noticing and when I was kind of, you know, looking into your story and stuff, I was looking at your Twitter feeds and I, I just noticed that you have a lot of passion for SpaceX Elon Musk. I was just curious seeing that, you know, you were retweeting a lot and favoriting mm -hmm. a lot of their work and stuff. Is there any of their work that's inspiring what you're doing within Zorin OS for you? Yeah, well, I mean, we are in kind of different fields, of course. Sure. SpaceX and Tesla are, are much more audacious, I'd say, than Zorin OS. Um, but what really inspired me beyond just the audaciousness of those goals is uh, the attitude Elon Musk has to starting new companies. Oftentimes, they're companies that uh, aren't really obvious in uh, you know, a regular businessman's mind of this can make a lot of money or uh, it's a low-hanging fruit. It's like really difficult but important tasks for him to solve. And even with all of the doubters and, and, and haters that he's had along the way, uh, he kept to the script, he kept to what really uh, fueled his passion and, and ultimately he's, he's succeeding. So uh, it, it, his work is a really great lesson in you know, sticking to what you believe is, is right and what you need to work on and not uh, succumbing to the haters, essentially. I mean, you never know. There could be a moment where Elon calls and says, hey, I need Zorn OS in my next <laughs> Tesla. You know, you never know. Right. So, yeah, but that's awesome. He has done some amazing work and, and Absolutely. I, I noticed that passion there and just wanted to find out uh, a little bit more behind that. So that's great. Yeah. And to say that you're not audacious, I mean, you started doing a distro when you were a teenager. So yeah. and that's a little audacious. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Um, so just a couple of weeks ago, you, we, there's an announcement for the, the release of Zorin 12.3. 
So what was the, your favorite features about this, the latest release? Yeah, so uh, when we first released Zorn West 12, uh, back in November of 2016, it was a big break from the past. We actually threw away all of the, nearly all of the code that we built up in the, in the seven years before that. And mm. it was just a start, starting afresh from new technologies like GNOME Shell. Um, so that was, that was quite a big task. And now we're able to really focus on those little details that we kind of missed in that first um, release of Zorn OS 12. So adding, uh, for example, printer indicators, uh, that was a really uh, largely requested feature that we got from our users. Um, folder colors, for example, that's, that really helps with organizing and, and uh, your workflow and just making your life a little bit easier when, you, when you're working on your computer. So just generally all of the little details that um, make the desktop experience that much better in aggregate. Nice. Superb. Um, so Zorin OS, I think, is currently based on the Ubuntu LTS. Yeah, correct. Um, so you've just issued 12.3. Will you be coming out with a new version based on 18.04, or will you wait a little bit until it settles down? Yes. Yeah, so uh, our release schedule is that we're basing ourselves off uh, Ubuntu LTS releases. Uh, now also keep into fact that uh, we are uh, basically um, we we like to focus on release when ready as as a um, as a release cadence kind of system. Uh, mm-hmm. We just want to make sure that the desktop experience is, is great. So we're planning to release the next version of Zorn OS based on top of eighteen point oh four. We're planning to release that uh, in the time frame of the end of summer, beginning of autumn. Uh huh. Very nice. Cool. Yeah, that's that's not bad at all. Uh, so since it's based in LTS, I was just curious about something. The the trend of universal app formats is coming. It's it's, beca- it's getting bigger and bigger, and it seems to be like the the kind of like the future approach to distro development and stuff like that. Uh, what is your opinion of the, that kind of thing, like snaps, flat packs, and app images and such? Yeah, I think it's an absolutely amazing uh, effort that that's going on in the Linux community. When we were first releasing, you know, Zorn OS. Uh, some of the new users that came from Windows uh, often had quite a lot of difficulties installing Linux apps because although a lot of Linux apps are made in the .deb packaging format, uh, since mm-hmm. Ubuntu is the most popular distro around, um, there were still some difficulties with uh, some app developers you know, uh, just distributing the source code and, and requiring the users to compile. And uh, if you're just a regular uh, user coming from Windows, that's quite a big break from the past. So uh, being able to install pretty much any app in the same way across all distros makes it really easy for software developers uh, mm-hmm. as well as the end user. So it's a win-win for everyone. And we've been supporting the Snap package format since Zorn OS 12 back in 2016. And one of the big new features in the next version of Zorn OS is we're going to add support for Flatpak natively. So Nice. Uh, those those fac- those packaging formats would be around and and easy to access. Nice. That means that so that the, in the future the next release will have support for all three of the main package formats. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So going back to the release itself, some of the features of this release uh, release include the ability to change the folder colors, to attach file emblems, like you mentioned, the uh, printer indicator, to pin and launch apps directly from the panel. So these are all nice enhancements that go towards a complete desktop experience. But how do you go about deciding for the ideas of the enhancements? Um, how, how much is it community involvement in your decision? And what do you, how do you focus on what's going to be in the next release? <laughs> so our philosophy of, of building software is to really uh, take our vision first and, and make sure that uh, it, the software that we're, that we're providing to our users is, is really user-friendly and, and, and puts the user first, especially if they're a beginner. So making sure that the software is really well-designed and integrates well with the desktop is, is super important. So um, making sure that it adheres to a vision of the desktop that we have that benefits as many people as possible, that's really important. But of course, uh, we receive tons of user feedback all the time, and 
for example, in the case of 12.3, most of the new features that we introduced were actually uh, as a result of you know, user free feedback and some of the issues our, our users have. Uh, I, do, I personally do a lot of the customer support myself, so I keep a very close ear to what uh, people want and, and pr what problems they're experiencing. So um, having that extra perspective really, really helps make the system as, as good as we can make it. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, feedback is, is community feedback and user feedback is, is one of the most important things that distros should take in consideration. So it's great to hear that. So talking about 12.3, you guys have wine 3.0 inclusion inside of 12.3, which obviously increases the compatibility for direct 3d 10 and 11 support. So, you know, this seems like it's a, is this something, let me ask, that's kind of a differentiator for Zorn OS because you typically don't see a lot of distros package wine inside. Mm -hmm. So uh, because, you know, our, our distro is aimed at uh, predominantly Windows users moving over to Linux, it's uh, making sure that the user experience is really top notch and that as many Windows apps as possible can work on it. Uh, that's, that's a really big focus for us. And, and because of that, we want to preload the most compatible version of wine. Uh, and of course, Alongside the compatibility improvements are also plenty of security improvements as well. So making sure that uh, security as well as functionality come hand in hand, that's, that's, that's really important. And uh, yeah, we do see that as a big differentiator. Nice. So, I mean, you guys have a lot of emphasis even on your website when you're going and you're learning about Zorn, about the play on Linux and wine support on there. So it really begged the question because we all wanted to know, are you a gamer? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time for gaming anymore, but uh, yeah, it's, it's something that, uh, especially on the Linux ecosystem right now, it's, it's an area of great change and great improvement, especially oh, over yeah. the past few years with the arrival of Steam. And uh, on top of that, even more recently, the Vulkan gaming API, which is, yes. uh, it sounds, you know, very um, low level and uh, developer-oriented, but it makes a really big difference because it makes it a lot easier for a developer or a game engine developer as well to make their software available uh, on all platforms because they essentially write the same code that works on, on all operating system platforms. So right. that's a huge plus. I mean, it's such a big deal, even though you're not a gamer yourself, I find it interesting that you realize that focus because so many people who are new to Linux talk about the gaming. And of course, that's a much easier discussion to have today than it was in the past. <laughs> yep. um, but certainly- No, 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 no. It was like super easy in the past. It was like five games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now you can play games on Linux. And also, of course, with wine and things, you can do some fascinating things and talking about, you know, uh, using play on Linux and wine specifically, or Vulkan specifically, you can use Doom, the new Doom mm -hmm. that came out in 2017 or 2016 in Vulkan, in Wine, on Linux, and it gets some really impressive results. So, I mean, there's some really neat things, especially for people who are like, well, I'll come to Linux, but I have to play, you know, World of Warcraft or something like that. Now they have yeah. that option to still be within the, the Linux world, but play that single game. So it's very cool that you guys take that into consideration. Yep. Um, speaking of Wine... On your homepage, you say that Zorin OS is safe from viruses. Um, now, based upon my understanding of wine, and you'll have to forgive me, um, you know, out of the group, I'm just a user rather than a techie. So if there's any non-basis to this question, then please forgive me. Um, but doesn't having wine by default in the system allow access to Windows viruses? And if it does, what have you done to mitigate this? How do you stop that from, from happening? Yeah, so to preface the answer, I, I just want to say that um, a lot of the choices that we make about what software we include is we're trying to increase the amount of, uh, of compatibility and, and mm -hmm. um, the power that's available to the users. So uh, in some cases, yeah, uh, Wine does present uh, some level of compatibility with uh, some bits of malware, but we take this issue really seriously. So... Uh, one example of one of the ways that we uh, mitigate that issue is actually through the inclusion of Play on Linux. So what that allows users to do is install apps that are trusted and well-known in a very mm -hmm. simple way. So it really incentivizes uh, installing Windows apps the right way. And uh, 
And also uh, the fact that we include the newest version of Wine uh, out of the box, that makes sure that some of the vulnerabilities that were available before are, are patched. Uh, but of course, uh, taking into account the modern landscape of, of Windows-based malware, a lot of it, it happens through uh, vulnerabilities within the Windows system. So for example, the ransomware attacks uh, a couple months ago, uh, they exploited a flaw in, in Active Directory inside of Windows. So uh, because we're on a Linux-based system, those those uh, that attack vector is, is decreased a lot. So uh, either way, coming from Windows to, to ZornOS, uh, you're a lot safer off than, than if you stay in Windows. So if I was to take away one thing from what you've just said, and again, you'll have to forgive me because I'm not that that technical. It's better to try and install it via play on Linux because everybody else has then worked out all the details for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. And it makes it a lot easier for the user. So sometimes when you install Windows app with Wine, you have to do a lot of configurations. Play on Linux does that for you and makes sure ah. that the app works a lot easier. Excellent. Thank you. So Zorin OS has multiple versions, including the ultimate core, light, and business, and education. So can you tell us about the main differences between these five different versions? Yeah, sure. So starting off with the core edition, it's essentially the standard version of, of a desktop experience. So if you have uh, Windows or Mac on your computer out of the box, uh, it would have a set of apps that help you browse the web, make office documents sometimes, uh, edit photos. And basically, the core edition of Zorn OS is, is not too different from that. It includes all of the essential software you'd need from uh, a computing experience. Then moving on to the ultimate edition, it includes uh, a large array of, of additional software from uh, all sorts of different sectors. So. Uh, it includes lots of multimedia creation software, for example, Blender for creating 3D models, um, music production software, uh, lots of games that are available on Linux, uh, lots of Office software that complement the LibreOffice suite. So uh, being able to do your accounting straight out of the box, uh, all these kinds of different apps are available uh, inside of Zorn OS Ultimate, um, just waiting for you to use it. Uh, the business edition, it includes those uh, multimedia and office applications that are in Ultimate, but doesn't include the games because obviously if you're working in an office, <laughs> you don't want your employees to play uh, shooting games or racing games while they're supposed to be working. Uh, yeah, the education edition, it includes lots of software for teaching maths, science, geography, languages, even coding uh, out of the box. So it's really aimed at schools and and educational institutions. And then we have light editions of, of those uh, versions of Zorn West. So uh, if you're using an older computer, um, say if it was a Windows XP computer, you could bring it back to life and, and, and work with all of the latest software with those light editions. So the, the core, I would take it, comes with GNOME and then the light would come with XFCE? Yeah, correct. Awesome. So a lot of people compliment Zorn OS for the fact that it, it's a great transition distribution from Windows users and Mac, and we've kind of focused on that. But I'm sure besides that, it's great for experienced users as well as businesses and stuff uh, on top of that. So tell us about that. What are some features that make it a great choice, not just for somebody who's doing that transition, but somebody who's been in Linux for a long time? Yeah, so uh, above all, the user experience is what we focus on most when, when building Zorn OS uh, ourselves. And uh, having a really smooth and intuitive desktop experience, it's not only just great for, for beginners, but it's also really appreciated by uh, more, more technical users, even developers. Uh, so uh, you still have all of the power of, of an Ubuntu-based distribution right there in Zorn OS, so you can install and develop lots of software in it. But you just notice that desktop feels a lot more familiar and uh, it doesn't need to be customized as much to get it to, to be um, a really pleasant experience. So do you have any plans to consolidate 
these multiple versions into just one or two? Or do you feel that the five versions you've got are, are where you're going to stay? Yeah, so it's it's a mix of, of both. So we see a lot of value in having um, light versions, especially for, for old computer users um, who don't want to buy new computers but still want the latest software. And, of course, a lot of users uh, really like the additional software in the Ultimate Edition and... Uh, we're very thankful that they they contribute to the project that way by by purchasing them. Um, in the case of the business edition, that's that's something that we intend to phase out over time. Uh, we're actually currently working on uh, software for uh, business and enterprise users that will allow them to easily administrate uh, their computers just from a, a single console. And uh, we find that a lot of the business users uh, like to stick to specific set of apps and um, being able to customize what kind of apps are available on, on employees' computers is something that that new dashboard will, will allow to happen. So uh, we see that, that dashboard essentially replacing the uh, pre-installed software in, in the business edition so that IT admins can easily push the apps they want to their employees. So it'll be like a management deployment system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nice. So essentially, that, that new tool, uh, we intend to make it so that uh, IT admins can administrate all of their computers as, as easy as one. Uh, similar to what Landscape does, uh, Landscape is, is beginning to be more focused on server users. We intend to focus on, on desktop and, and laptop users and, and really focus on making it a simple and, and uh, valuable and powerful experience for those IT admins. So is there any uh, ETA on that? Yes. So we hope to get it out um, within the next uh, two to three months for the first batch of beta users. Uh, And then later on uh, during the year, uh, before the release of the next major edition of Zornos, that's that's when we want to to have it fully stable for for the public. Very cool. That that could be very useful for the deployments like managing multiple systems the deployment thing is incredibly important um so speaking of the the light the different versions you the light and the core versions have like a free and a donation system when the Mm -hmm. other versions like the ultimate are just available through like a premium structure um how how did you decide to that you wanted to to charge for these these different flavors and uh, how, how has it been received from like the community and users and such Yes. Yeah, so when we first started ZoranOS off, we just had a single flavor, which is essentially the core edition, as we, as we know it right now. And we just had the free one. Uh, but we got a lot of user feedback and saying that oh, I'd love to have, you know, these apps pre-installed out of the box. And, you know, I'd even be willing to pay for it. So uh, light bulb moment. Um, that, that feedback let us think about how would we sustain ZoranOS over many years and uh, maybe make it grow out of just a hobby and, and, and maybe turn it into a real business. So that's what really led us to, to introduce paid for editions. And uh, thankfully, it's been a really great success. Our, our users really love uh, having that choice available and, and the ones who pay really like having those additional apps pre-installed. And um, it also allows us to, to focus full time on, on developing ZornOS. So uh, of course, having paid for editions of open source software is uh, it's a topic that has a little bit of controversy in the Linux space, yeah. um, especially at the moment. And uh, I, I see it actually as something that doesn't get talked about enough um, because more so than whether the software is free or paid for, uh, Linux users, what I noticed from, from all the forum talk is they just really want a desktop that's you know, has a lot of features, has a lot of power, and and is just really great overall. And and you can't build great software without spending a lot of time, and you can't spend a lot of time building Linux-based software without uh, putting food on the table and, and allowing yourself to work full time. So uh, by having paid for editions of of open source software and supporting the developers, you're essentially supporting the accelerated development of of really great features in software well we just we just interviewed uh elementary os daniel foray a few weeks ago and 
we talked to him and, and it's the similar situation where there's this myth out there that Linux users don't want to pay for any software or they want everything for free. And that's not the case. People are willing to pay or not pay. People are willing to donate when they see good software. Right. So I think that's a, a perfect example of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a good point too. You talked about the conversation needs to have more. Frankly, it was kind of avoided forever because people were afraid they were going to get, I don't know, trolled or flamed every time <laughs> they brought up uh, donations for their stuff. But we're starting to hear, you know, in, in even in our podcast world, a lot more developers talking about it and people discussing it and a lot less resistant to it to it from the community, which I think ultimately is good because as people get to hear your personal stories, the fact that a lot of, you know, folks stay up all night long, weekends, um, you know, give up their holidays and everything else to program and write this stuff, you start thinking, yeah, okay, I can give $5 to that, uh, something that I use every day. So it is important. Those conversations continue and people realize how much work this is. This isn't some side hobby you can do in 30 minutes. This, This takes months and months of dedication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also people. I want people to know that podcast is also true about that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's Support a lot of the podcast. There you go. Yeah. Nice. There's a lot Sounds of work good. involved in both, so we appreciate it. Yeah. So tell me, if I purchase one of the paid versions, um, can I just re-download it as many times as I want, or or, or do you impose a limit? Um, and having purchased it. Is it just for that one particular version or is it, you know, is, is it there for two or three versions or what, what's the, the idea behind it and how does it work? Yes. Yeah, so uh, if you purchase a copy of Zornos Ultimate, you'd be able to download it as many times as you want over an infinite period. Um, as for uh, newer releases, uh, the new point releases are, are included. So if you purchase uh, Zorn OS 12, then 12.1 and 12.2, uh, you have access to them. Uh, as for the major releases, uh, we would be charging for an upgrade. Uh, that's mm-hmm. in order to fund the, the development of the, the new edition and, and being able to hopefully increase our team as well uh, as, as mm-hmm. we continue forward to increase not only the uh, you know, functionality and, and user-friendliness of Zorn OS, but also upstream projects like GNOME. That's that's where we want to put our money into, and and uh, we think that it's it's great for the whole Linux community. Yeah. Well, how often yeah. do you do the the major releases? Is it just every LTS, or do you have in in betweens? So we used to have in between releases that followed Ubuntu's uh, minor release schedule, but we've decided to focus on just the LTS release schedule, just to focus on stability and and robustness of the software. So you can expect a new version of Zorn OS every two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Zorn OS is widely recognized for, I mean, one of the things that you, you notice right away is the options for custom theming that you have in there. For instance, you can make your desktop kind of look like Mac OS or look mm-hmm. like Windows. As people who are experienced in Linux, that may not be our goal, but I assume you guys made those, t- provided those type of options as we talked about before because of the users that are coming from Windows and Mac OS, so they have that familiar feel. Mm-hmm. Do you have any data to suggest whether people choose like certain themes over the other, like a Mac OS most people seem to install, or Windows, or you guys don't get that kind of data back? Yeah, so we don't track our users. One of one of the main uh, advantages over over Windows is uh, of Zornos is that it, there's no spyware installed, so so we actually don't get any data ourselves. But judging from, you know, what our users were saying, uh, the feedback that we get, and also some of the photos that people put up of their computers running ZornOS, most of them like to actually stick to the default uh, settings. So the, the Windows layout, they're really familiar with that. But a lot of users, including not Mac users, really do like the Mac interface. Uh, so the, that extra customizability is uh, really compelling to them. Yep. Interesting. So Zorin OS is ranked in 11th for the last 12 months in DistroWatch, which is a big accomplishment. But what do you feel it is about Zorin that helped it grow so fast? Yes, yeah, so I believe it's just that when we first released Zorin OS, uh, 
the problem of you know user friendliness of the desktop was something that a lot of people were talking about, and it really did click with the users that um, you know something needs to change in Linux to to solve that problem. And when they saw that Zorn West is uh, aiming to solve that problem, that they really uh, understood it and and talked to their friends about it. Because uh, when we first started off, we posted about Zorn West in different uh, user groups and forums just to get the word out. And even experienced Linux users really applauded uh, that release because they had friends that were not as technically savvy and they wanted to spread Linux out to them, uh, spreading the love of Linux. And uh, essentially giving them a version of Linux that's really familiar and user-friendly and didn't require a lot of training to move over um, really clicked with them. So they were able to spread the word out and we're really thankful for that. Well, that's kind of key because when you're trying to get people on Linux, uh, you need something that's really user-friendly. And otherwise you are the tech guy and you are going to be helping him every wow, minute. that's a good point, Rock. <laughs> what do you think about that? That's right. Yeah. You do become the tech facto tech, tech support. Yep. So, um, so speaking of the, you know, improvement in the popularity of, of Zorin, you, in 2012, you stated that uh, there was 2 million downloads uh, at the time. Uh, could you, do you have the, the, the data for like what the, the figure today is for the amount of downloads for Zorin? Yes, yeah, so so far across all of the versions of Zorn OS, uh, ranging from version one to twelve point three, in total we've had seventeen million downloads. Wow! Wow! Holy yeah, mackerel! Is there? Do you have the data on like which specific versions get downloaded the most between the core and the light and the ultimate? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the core is actually our most popular version. It's just uh, has all of the essential software out of the box. So that's what people like to have. And of course, the Ultimate Edition uh, really does uh, become compelling for you know advanced power users. So uh, that, as well as the Light Editions, are our are, are most popular editions. Well, 17 million. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's a lot of downloads. <laughs> um, so many articles point out that Zoran OS their main target is for people leaving Windows to find something new and better. Um, is that still your main focus or have you seen it moving over the years? Uh, I mean, the way that we approach building Zorn OS has, has changed quite a lot, but uh, that's generally our, our main point of focus right now, getting Windows users moving over to Linux. And uh, that's essentially been our North Star for past 10 years of development. Uh, of course, how we think about getting those users has changed. For example, over the next few months, we're really focusing on enterprise, government, and, and school users. And that's an area where uh, we have seen a lot of interest over the, the last few years. For example, back in 2016, uh, there was a city in Italy called Vicenza, and they decided to switch their entire municipality over to, to Zornoes. Uh, they had wow. issues with with Windows XP computers going out of date, and uh, they'd either have to buy a whole load of new computers uh, or switch to an alternative. And and they really liked Zorn OS, just how simple it was. And uh, so far, what I've heard is that uh, the users really like the change. Usually, changes is met with skepticism, but yeah. uh, mm -hmm. from what I hear, they really like the change. So we're going to be focusing in on that area. And that new dashboard that we're developing, we believe that that's essentially the missing piece that will get lots of uh, enterprise and government users over. Uh, so targeting them is our, our new main focus, but still making sure that it's simple for Windows users to, to move over is very much a part mm -hmm. of that. Another amazing Excellent. feat in the life of Zorn. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder I went, how many of the 17 million are from that city. Yeah. <laughs> so I went and downloaded the ultimate version and man, it comes loaded with some awesome software. I mean, I've been in, I've only been in Linux for, I guess about two years now. There was software in there I hadn't heard of that. I was like, Oh, I got to write this down. I, this looks amazing there. I think you guys, I think the ISO is around four gigabytes if I wasn't mistaken. So it comes preloaded with a lot of stuff and it got me thinking, 
how do you guys decide what goes into all these various versions, what you're going to package with it? And does the community get any say? Do they get to, you know, make suggestions of things that they want you to include? Yeah, we get a lot of suggestions from our users. And sometimes we haven't even seen the software before they, they send it to them and <laughs> uh, to us. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes when we see them, we're just like, whoa, that's some really cool software. Yeah. I didn't even know that was available for Linux. So, so uh, whatever increases the feature set of, of the operating system in a meaningful way, that's, that's when we decide to add that software in. So, you know, if you're in music production or you like to play a lot of games or uh, you like to edit videos, uh, no matter what the software is, uh, you know, we're going to consider And if it's really cool and, and adds a lot of value, that's, that's when it's getting added in. Fantastic. So do you have any kind of like a limit to how large the ISO would be at some point? Do you, do you, are you when you're trying to stick to the DVD uh, limit or is it like, so like at what, since it's already like 4.2, I think um, it could, it could only go up to about 4.7. Does that kind of have a, a, a limited limitation for what kind of software is put in? Yeah. So a lot of our users in, install Zornos with DVD. So we do try and stick to the DVD file size and, um, we have been uh, reassessing what apps we include with pretty much every release. And if we find new apps that essentially replace the functionality of two apps in, in a better way, uh, then that's certainly a good candidate for inclusion. And it allows us to include a lot more software inside that file size limit as okay. the versions go on. Nice. So in 2018 has been like kind of a trend to see developers uh, a lot of collaboration between developers. And I think we're all, it's, it's safe to say that we're all happy about seeing that kind of yeah. trend happening. So what, we're just curious, what are you doing with uh, potentially for the collaboration with other developers now? And are there any developers that you would look forward to like maybe having some kind of collaboration with? Yes. Yeah, so um, one of the main advantages of open source is the collaboration. So we're absolutely <laughs> making use of that and, and working with other developers. When we first uh, started developing Zorn OS 12 and, and moving over to the GNOME-based desktop environment, uh, a lot of the software that we needed to be included uh, just for making it simple and, and intuitive to use actually wasn't there. So we had to go out and develop some of those extensions. And, and a lot of that was with the help of existing extension developers. But once we released, you know, Zornos 12 with those extensions, we saw that a lot of other users really thought that the software that we developed was really helpful and, and really cool. So um, they decided to um, contribute to, to our project and also sometimes even fork it. For example, you might have noticed that on GNOME Show, there's recently been an extension called Dash to Panel, where it makes mm -hmm. the GNOME panel look a lot like the Windows one that was originally based on Zorn Taskbar, which which we developed for Zorn OS 12. Uh, same thing goes with, uh, for example, Arc Menu. That's based on the Zorn Menu uh, applet, and there's a lot of circular um, contributions going on. So so we like to upstream a lot of that uh, of our contributions, and then sometimes uh, we downstream those uh, projects contributions. Uh, a lot of the reasons for why we don't have it as a unified project is sometimes the architectural, the technology architecture of, of that, uh, those extensions and pieces of software is different uh, to how we would want it. Uh, but right. we do like to, to upstream a lot of the, the work that we're doing. And so are the extensions forked by someone else maintaining them third party or do you maintain those? Yes, yeah, so uh, we maintain our uh, version of them, but often in, in the case of, for example, Dash to Pound or Arc Menu, uh, they have different architectural goals in mind. So okay. um, they, they maintain their versions of it. Nice. So it's mentioned in your mission statement that, well, and I'll read it from what it says, take back control of technology and not the other way around. So tell us about this statement and what it means for you and your work in the open source movement. Yeah, so it goes back to the first time we tried Linux and um, 
one of the things that really astounded us was how much control you have over the computing experience. And the fact that if the original software vendor decides to access a feature uh, in a traditional proprietary environment, you just have to deal with it. Uh, mm -hmm. In the case of Linux, you can continue using uh, the software you want in the way that you want it, and you have full control over it. And you can make your own versions of it and make it a whole lot better for, for all users. And having that innovation happening as a result of that freedom is what really drives the development of, of Linux uh, as a desktop platform. And, and we think that that's what really uh, increases the value of ZornOS. And, and uh, in the case of, for example, some of the uh, businesses and governments that uh, have talked to us about using ZornOS, they find that freedom as being one of the main selling points. They really don't want to be locked into a proprietary um, software stack. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. especially in the government space, even in, in the EU, um, governments are really starting to take that very seriously. They want public money to go into public code uh, that benefits everyone and allows their IT to work in the, uh, in the way that they want to themselves. Uh, that's just an aspect of, of open source software that we see benefits pretty much every user. Every user wants to have control over their desktop experience and um, whether they be home users or, or business users, and that's something we take really seriously. It couldn't be a more timely mission statement right now when you think about how technology is being used against so many people, whether we're talking about Windows and all the metadata grabbing there, Facebook lately being in the news, of course, that's the big thing right now. Uh, but all of this technology just continues to kind of, you know, they decide what they want to do with it and you have no choice that they sell it to somebody, give it to somebody else, do whatever they want with it. Whereas... You know, in Linux, that taking back control really is a huge staple and becomes even a bigger issue than it ever was before. It just keeps getting worse outside the Linux world. And, and mm -hmm. so it's just a brilliant mission statement, really. No, it's, it's excellent. Um, and I, whilst, whilst you were talking, it actually just dawned on me as to possibly that's why Windows 95 stayed around as long as it did because people were stuck on proprietary software mm -hmm. that would only run on Windows 95. Now, in the open source world, that won't happen because it's continually moving. The developers of those software have that passion that businesses say, well, do you know what? This is working. I'm not going to invest in r and I've got a product that people are buying, so let's just keep delivering it. And I think mm -hmm. in, ultimately that's going to be that's going to be their downfall. So it was really good to hear um, of your experience in that in that regard. Um, and you also mentioned that you want Linux to be a dominant force in the desktop space, um, and that was one of the reasons why you originally sort of thought of, of building your own desktop to help shape that. So looking back from where you started through to today, how do you feel that's coming along? And excuse the cliche. Do you think we'll ever see the year of the Linux desktop? Yeah, so that's that's a really great question. Um, we have learned an awful lot in the past 10 years of, of developing. And um, when we did start off building Zorn West, that was our goal. It still remains our goal today. But now we know that uh, it's a goal that can only be achieved if you focus in on certain different ways of, of achieving it. For example, uh, as I was talking about enterprise and government users, uh, what we're doing now is we're really focusing on what do they find valuable and how does Linux fit into their uh, environment and can it make it better? And uh, in a lot of the cases, uh, that is true. It can make a big difference in, in how they operate their businesses. The fact that they're able to continue using their existing computers rather than being forced to upgrade it to new ones and, and spend a lot of money that way. Um, just generally being safe, safer from the new emerging threats that are on the Windows platform. And also the new conversation about freedom and privacy. Uh, mm -hmm. That's something that's, that's a, a concern that's you know increasing every day, especially very recently. Uh, so... There are many ways that 
Linux can be a huge advantage to specific users. And uh, that's the new way that we're trying to focus in on, on developing our software. So do it one user group at a time and uh, try to make the Linux platform a lot more um, approachable, accessible, and just generally a lot more desirable as well than it was before. Um, a lot has changed in regards to, for example, what apps are available. Uh, 10 years ago when we started off, uh, it was pretty common to say, oh, Linux is never going to take off as, as a desktop platform. There are way too many apps on Windows that you just can't replicate on on other platforms. And, and that's changing, especially thanks to new web technologies. Mm -hmm. uh, in the case of, for example, Chromebooks and Chrome OS, which has become pretty popular in, for example, schools, uh, that's really forced developers to think outside of the Windows box and Windows environment and develop cross-platform software. And ultimately, that helps Linux mm. uh, become more approachable for lots of different users. We're seeing new uh, traditionally Windows software becoming available on the web or even natively on Linux. And uh, app developers and users, they're really seeing the advantages of Linux now. That's, that's how we see it. And we just want to accelerate that growth and make Linux a more viable platform for as many different kind of user groups as possible. So in mm -hmm. short, I don't think there's a specific point where there's going to be a year of the Linux desktop, but there are going to be points in time when Linux becomes a really big aha moment for different types of users. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, yeah. that's the goal that we're, we're chasing. The likelihood of like, the, the year that the Linux desktop is going to be the situation where you gradually get to it and you like look back and go, oh, that's when it happened. Okay. <laughs> So we all love Linux, but are there anything, is there anything that needs to happen for Linux to grow substantially? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's not too different from when we started. There are certain uh, points of, of when you're using Linux that you see that, uh, you know, it might not be as, as user-friendly or accessible as possible. In the case of, for example, what we're working on, the new um enterprise dashboard for, for Zornos-based computers. That was an aspect of using Linux that hasn't been uh, getting attention. Um, you know, when you would have talked to a business user uh, and say, oh, have you ever thought of using Linux? They would outright say, you know, oh, it doesn't have Microsoft Office. I'm not even going to consider it. And because of that, you haven't been seeing a lot of the... Um, you know, pieces of software that could really help make that switch over. Um, mm -hmm. In the case of, for example, the Office Suite problem, uh, LibreOffice is getting a lot more sophisticated by the day and uh, we're seeing it as being more viable for many different user groups. And uh, despite, you know, those improvements, uh, there hasn't been really a huge push towards uh, getting Linux uh, to be more, um, desirable for, for example, enterprise and, and, and school users. And um, just thinking about the different points of view that were had in the years before about why Linux wouldn't be viable, take another look back at them and try to think about, has that problem been solved? And if it has been solved, what can I do as a developer to um, remove all the barriers to, to making it switch over? Linux has changed a lot. Uh, and there are plenty more different aspects of, of using Linux that can be improved simply by, by looking at the changes that have happened and, and putting your resources towards making it easier to switch over. So what can we expect next from Zorn OS? Yeah, so as I said earlier, a greater focus on businesses, schools, and, and governments. Um, you're going to see a lot of different pieces of software that we're going to be releasing uh, to make it a really obvious choice to, to make the switch over to Linux, not only just to Zorn OS, but to other Linux distros as well. We intend to support other distros too with our efforts. Nice. Uh, then far beyond that, uh, we see lots of different places where computers as a whole can 
uh, haven't really taken off yet. For example, in emerging markets where, you know, computers have typically been too expensive or just not very useful in, in places where they don't have uh, reliable internet access, it essentially becomes a, a little useless to have a computer. And one of the long-term goals that we have for Zornos is to actually become the computing platform for emerging markets. Um, over the next few years, we want to, to fund the development of essentially a new desktop computing platform for emerging markets. And we intend to use the resources from the enterprise and government-focused products towards making um, a version of, of our software that uh, has lots of different uh, pieces of content and apps uh, pre-installed that would be really valuable in, in emerging markets. For example, uh, if you preload a lot of the important parts of the internet onto the computer itself, it becomes nearly as useful as a computer with a high-speed internet connection. For example, if you include mm -hmm. Wikipedia, Khan Academy, uh, apps for essentially a whole school curriculum, uh, you'd be able to give a lot of the value that someone would have with an internet connection, but without the internet connection. It's actually something that really um, came into fruition when we really look back, because when we first off using Linux and, and deciding to you know, make our operating system, it was because all of the content was available online for us to learn how to develop software and, and explore our passion a lot more. And I was just thinking that you know, if we were able to provide not only that kind of content, but content for all sorts of different fields of, of knowledge and giving also the tools to how people make actions on that, like, for example, make music or, or build software on, on computers and if they'd never had that before. Oh, yeah. I thought that, you know, it would make a really big difference. And, you know, as a first hand, uh, that's something that I really believe in being able to learn yourself and explore passions by yourself uh, and having all of the content and tools at your fingertips is, is something that I thought is, could be really powerful. So that's, that's why we're putting a huge emphasis on that area. Uh, solving those kinds of problems uh, is, is something that, that we intend on doing over the next few years and uh, accelerating the dominance of Linux in these new user groups uh, is, is a really big focus of that. So one of our patrons, Clifford, asked, are there any thoughts or have you guys put any thought to uh, moving towards mobile at all? Or is that on uh, any, any plans maybe you could let us in on with mobile integration? Yeah, so for the time being, we're really focused on the desktop. So uh, we're, we're not really planning to make you know, a version of Zorn West for mobiles uh, for the time being. But certainly uh, integrating the mobile experience into the desktop experience a lot more over the next few months and years is something that we do want to focus on a lot more. And we think that it's just going to make the desktop experience a lot more desirable than, than ever has been before. Tying with all of your existing technology just makes sense on the desktop. So, yeah. so we, we, we're going to be developing uh, towards, the, towards that vision. Fantastic. Well, as a follow-up to the the emerging markets uh, topic, there was I'm just curious. The, the there's kind of sort of a trend to like ARM architecture, mm -hmm. uh, and some of the things that you you mentioned could be done in ARM, and some maybe not because of the depends on the application if it's been built for ARM or not. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any kind of uh, goal, or in, do you see any kind of like future for Zorn on ARM architecture? Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, we've actually been quietly working on. Uh, ARM-based versions of Zorn OS uh, to adhere to that vision of, of the computing platform for emerging markets. So ARM is definitely a big part of that picture. And nice. uh, we do want to make sure that Zorn OS works great on, on ARM. And the fact that uh, we really want to use as much open source software as possible makes it a lot easier to, to get great software working on ARM computers. You just recompile it for the ARM architecture make a few changes if, if they're necessary in the software to make that happen. And um, it's uh, the fact that it, the open source software out there is freely available to compile makes that switch over yeah. a lot easier. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nice. So staying on the uh, emerging market theme, because it, it's, it's something that I think needs to happen more. Um, 
you're talking about providing the OS with a lot of a lot more pre-installed um, software, etc. Um, have you looked or thought of providing Zorin OS hardware to go with this, or are you just focusing on the software side of it? So we're still early on in the development phase of that project. Um, I can kind of hint on the fact that we've been working on some hardware. Uh, I can't mm -hmm. reveal too many details about <laughs> it, uh, but certainly this is a vision uh, that you know we can't do ourselves. Hardware right. partners definitely do need to be a big part of that picture. And mm. um, preferably, we'd like to focus on the software as much as possible uh, so that we can ship it out with hardware partners and really that accelerates the... Uh, ability for us to achieve that vision together. And mm -hmm. um, yes, hardware development is something that uh, we are slowly becoming a part of, but we mainly intend on, on making reference devices that we could show hardware partners, this is how you make a computer that adheres to that vision and mm -hmm. we'd love you to be a part of that. Awesome. All right, so how can people get involved with Zorin OS? You have the the donations as far as downloading it. Do you have a a PayPal page? Uh, do you have forums? Do you do you need help in development? How can people get involved with you? Yes, yeah, so um, if you're new to Linux, uh, yeah, absolutely. Download our operating system. Give it a try. Um, you can help out other users on our forums. Uh, just visit our help page and, and, and you can find a link to the there. Uh, as well, if you're a software developer, uh, we're increasingly putting more of our software on GitHub so it's easier to, to collaborate on. Um, nice. We also have our repositories available where you can uh, download the source code, play around with it, and, and contribute changes uh, upstream. And of course, also if you're a business uh, user or if you're an IT admin who's uh, perhaps interested in in uh, moving over to a Linux-based system for your employees, uh, you could scroll down to the bottom of our website and enter in your email just to be a part of the newsletter so that you'll be the first to know about our, our enterprise offering. And being a part of the, the beta, the first few beta users would be really helpful as well. Very nice. Well, Artem, it's been an awesome conversation Yep. We appreciate you stopping by mm -hmm. and giving us your time. Look, I, I just want to so say much. thank you for everything that you guys do because this is not every, – everybody talks about free software, but it's not free. There's a lot mm -hmm. of time and effort spent making it, and not only making it, but making it well and perfecting it. So mm -hmm. we really appreciate your, your time and effort on Zorin itself. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me so that I can spread the word on to all of your followers and, and uh, increase the awareness of, of different things that we're thinking on in, in the Linux space. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You can find more information at zoranos.com, and you can drop them a line, download the OS, and let them know how you like it. You can email us if you'd like to at comments at destinationlinux.org and we'll, have, we'll answer your questions about it. Other than that, everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. So I don't do know, know what you're much... talking about, Michael, by interrupting. Okay, cool. Michael, I was so proud of you. Did you hear Michael can do voices? Hey, buddy. <laughs> Told you. I, I, I can do Meatwad. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a character on the show. Yeah, he, Shake is kind of, he's a punk. Meatwad's best. <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Michael does know that I record everything, right? I don't care. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I do regret that now, though. <laughs> He's the best friend you ever had, isn't he? He's a buddy. What's <laughs> <laughs> about influence? I'm a talk to I'm a talk to him. We're gonna bring Carl into this situation. He, he's a vegetarian, so he don't like it. <laughs> I didn't know that about you, Rocco. Wow, learn something I, new. I don't, I don't know if that's true. If it fits my narrative, he will not. It is not his taste. <laughs> I would have a sore throat for the rest of the show if I tried to do that. I couldn't even tr- do that if I tried. I can, I can do it all the time. And don't hurt me at all. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I do. And I'm happy to say Thank you, Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So